So welcome, Joe Strange, this evening, who has joined me on the sofa at Magnify at St Michael's Rooms. There are lots of labels I've attached to you, Joe. Oh <laughs> this evening, I welcome Joe. As a special person you are, and greatly valued in whatever you are involved with, here, everywhere. And we'd be interested to listen to what you've got to say to us tonight. So, hello, Joe. Hello. Let's begin with that same old question. Where did your faith journey begin? Well, I think it's fair to say it began in the cradle. Um, some of you will know my lovely mum, and uh, myself and my three sisters were uh, really immersed in the life of a village church. Mum was um, a very uh, active member, still is now, um, and we used to go along to church uh, both on Sundays and weekdays, um, when I was a bit older, I... No, when I was young, I can remember building towers of hassocks <laughs> when sermons were very long under the pew as a toddler. Um, and then I joined the church choir with um, Mrs. Phillips, who was an amazing choir leader, but quite scary. And I sang um, at matins, and then we went back for evensong week by week. Um, and also, we had a church youth group called Pathfinders, so I was very much part of that. So it really was, church was very much a, a part of my early life. But I have to say, um, looking back now, I don't think I, I really experienced God's love at that time. To me, God was somebody who kind of possibly sat up on a cloud and was waiting to catch me out and find out what a terrible person I was, which is... Obviously not who God is, but that's kind of my childhood memory. Right. Not, I, I enjoyed it, and I loved my youth group and everything, but that's kind of where I was at that time. Now, on a more a personal level, you did share with me that, um, some things about your family. Would you like to share with all of us? Yes. I mean, Mum is an amazing person, and I think that's... All three of us sisters will think that, because my father uh, sadly left before my younger sister was even born. So um, mum brought us up um, and we had a, a very happy childhood. We weren't really aware of the difficulties. She faced some incredible financial and personal difficulties through that, but we weren't aware of that, uh, which was incredible. But I think, understandably, it probably uh, had quite an effect on us. And in those days, because um, when my father left, eventually my parents divorced, and in those days, there was a massive, massive stigma attached to divorce. I know for <coughs> mum, mum was quite ostracised by certain groups. And um, mm. so uh, I think that did... I, I know I used to tell um, my friends at school that my father lived abroad. I didn't use the D word because I knew I felt I would be judged for it. So it, it did have um, a pretty huge effect. And we didn't see much of my dad right through our childhood. Gosh. So did this image of broken marriage more your understanding of a relationship with God as you grew up? Um, I, it's difficult to say whether that was what marred my image. Something marred my image of, <laughs> of God. Um, I don't know. Possibly. Um, I think possibly because we hadn't had a loving father figure, it was quite hard to understand God as a loving father figure. Mm. That's just me reflecting that. I, I didn't feel, don't think I necessarily reflected on it then, but obviously I have since. As you got older, yes. yes, of course. So 
What happened to change your mind? Well, um, I, I married, um, most of you will know that um, I have been married before, and I, uh, when I married my first husband, um, we went to live in Cheltenham, um, and, I was, and I had my two children, and I was very keen to join the local church. Uh, my husband was not a churchgoer, uh, but I joined my local church that happened to have an American vicar. And, after I, and I got quite involved in the church, and I had a very good friend there, who was a friend actually to myself and my husband, um, a young man who was much younger than us in his teens, who actually went on to be ordained and then went to the Roman Catholic Church. But um, he was very involved in the church, and he was a great friend, and he went off to America via the link with our vicar and took part in something called the Casillo Movement, which is a Catholic renewal movement. And because he and the vicar thought it was so amazing, they got a team of Americans to come over to our parish in Cheltenham and bring Casillo to England. And Ian, this friend, said to me, Joe, you have to go, it's amazing. And my initial thought, and please hope nobody takes offence at this, I thought, American, clappy, happy, not for me. <laughs> but, uh, so I did go very grudgingly up to Prinish Abbey, which is where they held it in the old abbey. And that was the moment my faith came alive. I can remember kneeling in the chapel there uh, and one day, and I don't think these kind of things happen to anybody, let alone me, and suddenly hearing God say to me, Joe, I love you for who you are, and I don't want you just to follow me as a matter of discipline, but I want you to love me and follow me because I love you and I value you. And that was a very, very powerful moment. And I think that was really, from having, being somebody who went to church and professed to be a Christian, that's when my faith came alive, I guess. Right, okay. So can I take you back a little bit now? <laughs> we'll do that. It's a long way back. A long way back. To when you left school, because um, I think we're all interested, because obviously married to Malcolm now and very much involved with Christian life. It wasn't always like that, was it? No, no. I mean, I always went to church, um, but um, to, when I, 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 I went to the local grammar school and I did A-levels um, and all my um, contemporaries went off to university and I, I can remember the headmistress saying to me, Joanna, if you do not go to university, you're letting the school down. But I didn't go to university because at the time I was in love with a guy called Colin Burford, who I didn't marry. And I didn't, I didn't want to leave the area. And I was, some of you will find, I was an incredibly shy child. So the thought of leaving home, even when I was growing up, I mean, the shyness went a bit, but the thought of leaving home. So I didn't go off to university and I didn't really know what to do. I'd always loved catering and baking, which is still a love of mine. So I did actually get a place at Catering College, then decided to stay for A-Levels. So when I finished my A-Levels, I went off to Secretarial College and became a personal secretary in the days when bank managers had personal secretaries. Gosh, quite different. So I was a bank manager's secretary <laughs> till I had the children, right. which was very different. It must have been, yes. <laughs> so bringing you back again then, a little bit forward, your marriage broke up yes. with your first husband. Yeah. Um, how hurt and... How did it affect you? It's the easiest question to say. Um, it was a very difficult time because, because of my, I'm guessing because of my upbringing, 
and because of what I'd seen my mum go through, and although people say there are always two sides to these things, I really felt in my mum's case, and I won't go into circumstances, there weren't two sides. Divorce was absolutely not an option for me. So when I, that was my kind of black and white view. Yes. When I found myself in the position of a very um, unhappy marriage for both of us and for all sorts of reasons and lots of pain, and we came to the point when we knew we had to part, that was incredibly difficult. And um, particularly for my faith, because my view was Christians do not divorce. And yet here I am saying I love God and I'm divorcing. Uh, so that was very, very difficult. But um, I can remember quite clearly, and I know Malcolm was with me, when we came to Bristol and he'd been through, I'm not going to say a similar situation, but he'd been through a, a very difficult time as well. And then we'd met and got together. And I can remember us going to 8 o'clock BCP communion in the cathedral. Mm, interesting. I'll be honest, not my cup of tea. Uh, and he told me afterwards, and it was amazing, because I, I thought afterwards, I must tell Malcolm this. And he thought, I must tell Joe this. We both went to Neil to receive communion. And at that time, we both independently felt God say, not he wasn't condoning what had happened, but he very clearly say, I understand how you've ended up here. I forgive you. Move on. So it's an emotional, and that was a, a very, very, as you'll appreciate, amazing yes. moment because um, for both of us, as people of faith, uh, going through broken marriages was not only painful for the reasons they were happening, but I think we both felt we were inflicting pain and suffering upon God, who we loved. Uh, so to have that kind of message independently, I mean, I think I almost said to Malcolm afterwards, we were just copying what I said, <laughs> whatever. But no, both yeah. joking apart, we both very clearly felt that, which in a sense was, um, and I think as a person, those knocks and painful times in our lives, however difficult they are, uh, mould us and fashion <coughs> us, and we can actually be more empathetic towards people because I think as a, a young teenager I was very black and white on what was right and wrong and you didn't cross those lines um, whereas you realise that life is not that straightforward and that's the amazing thing about the gospel however much you mess up if you are genuinely repentant that love of God is there forever and that still blows me away to this day and what keeps me going through the difficult yeah. times so moving you on now to um, your very valuable work, because you start off as a secretary, but then you ended up in the school. So mm. would you like to say a little bit about your school role? Well, I ended up in school uh, to start off with. When um, Rebecca, my youngest, was five, um, I went in, as lots of parents do, to listen to reading, and eventually one of the um, staff there said, would you like a job as a teaching assistant with a little boy with Down syndrome? So I started doing that, which was fantastic. Um, and I stayed in that school for some time. And then, uh, because my first husband worked for the bank, we moved around a lot. So I then got a job in another primary school and worked in various primary schools as a special needs teaching assistant. Um, when we came to Bristol and Malcolm um, went off to do his PGCE, I needed to get a job quick to support yeah. us. And then when I couldn't find a job as a teaching assistant in a primary school. And I saw this job as a secondary teaching assistant. 
scary stuff, secondary big children, which I applied for, never expected to get, and was offered the job, um, which was fantastic. So I did that for a couple of years at Chipping Sodbury, and then we had a very, uh, a head who had really creative ideas at the time, and he said, would you like to be an experiment for a year, Joe, with a teacher, uh, being a kind of non-teaching uh, assistant head of two years to deal with all the pastoral issues, so to meet with parents, to deal with behaviour, to deal with all those difficult things that go on in family life, which to me, with my passion for that, was an amazing job. And that role kind of developed over the 16 years I was there. And I think my faith was a very central part of that, because although it's not a faith school, um, I think I feel called to talk quite openly about it if people ask me. So the majority of the staff and a lot of the students knew I was a Christian, um, and there were times, I mean, the great privilege was particularly because some of the, the child protection issues and things like that, that that you're bound to come across, you were able to go home and in your personal prayers pray for those um, students, those situations, those families, which was a real privilege. And there were times when staff and very occasionally parents, because they knew me well, would say to me, I've got a really difficult situation at home or at school, you know, they used to say, we, we don't do that, but will you say one for us? And that was just wonderful to know that they felt they could ask. Um, and there was a particular situation, which I think I mentioned to Julia yes, when we were yeah. chatting, when, um, very sadly, we had a student who we knew was dying from cancer um, from before she actually came up to secondary school. And then I had the privilege of getting to know the family before she came up and then kind of walking the journey with the family until she sadly died. And then the head said to me, you know, what can we do? Because so many children and, and uh, staff wanted to express their grief and their love and all those other feelings for her. So um, it, was, it was a great privilege to kind of set up a space for them to write their memories. Um, there was always somebody there to chat to, that kind of thing during that time. Because I think otherwise there can be a great temptation to sort of bury all that and that's yeah, not healthy so um, that was a huge privilege so it, it very much as you know even working at Chipping Sobbury um, you know I, I and I genuinely feel that I probably wouldn't have coped with some of the situations that come that way in pastoral work without my faith and being able to pray about them because it's hard sometimes yes well, you've answered that question I was going to ask you actually sorry no that's all right <laughs> I told you I talk too much oh, yeah, it's fine <laughs> so yes from what you've said it really did encourage your own walk with God absolutely other people would you yes. agree with that yes because I, I, I feel every day I give thanks for the fact that God loves me despite my many many failures mess ups and I think because I genuinely have experienced that and feel that, you can genuinely share that with other people when you're having that privilege of walking through the difficult as well as the happy times with them. Of course, alongside all of this, you actually trained as a reader, as a lay minister. Amazingly, yes. Yeah, so yes, so there's so many, so many strands to your whole life really isn't it really we could be here all day I think but I think actually. I think that's the thing about so it God is full of surprises yes. I never thought I'd end up a lay minister and I certainly vowed after A levels I would never ever write another essay again <laughs> but that all went down the pan didn't it <laughs>
And so you've got so many connections in your ministry and outreach into the community as well, touch on that one, and still have links with the schools, don't you? Because we met you yesterday, your mentor's shirt on. Oh, yes. Chippenham. Yes. At uh, yes. Sheldon School. Yes. So how do you see yourself in the role you are now? Obviously, you're married to Malcolm. You're a mother, a grandmother. Um, you've got your mum. You, you help look after as well. Oh, gosh, you've got so many different roles. Mm. So... Well, I think in the, 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 the school role here is just wonderful because I very much see it as a servant role. I mean, I think it was a brilliant idea uh, from St Michael's to say we want to increase our connections with, mm. with, the, with the primary schools. And to me, it's kind of like taking the love of God into those places and saying, here we are, what can we do to help? And what a powerful witness that is. I don't mean through me, but through anybody, to know that that's, that's what God offers. Because as, as the church, that's what the church is offering, therefore we're offering God's love. And so I see it very much as a servant role. And it's very diverse. I'm, you know, from term to term, I'm never quite sure uh, who I'm going to be asked to work with, what that work will involve. But that's wonderful because we're all different and we all have different needs at different times. And if in some small way, in the name of the church we can try and support those people in those different situations. That's fantastic. And all the other bits, well, that fits in. And being a granny is the best thing ever. Just love it. <laughs> oh, dear. It beats his own worries, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> yes. So, to conclude today, and it's, we could go on talking forever, couldn't we, really, because there's so much you could share. And uh, we'd be interested to listen to, I think, because your experiences have been so wonderful. I think engaging with younger people as well is fantastic. And you're actually, would you agree with me? Well, I'm going to say this to you anyway. You're actually following Jesus' example of engaging with community. Don't you think? I think everyone else would agree here. Uh, in a very wonky way. Oh, well, that's all right. <laughs> Possibly <laughs> a wonky in a wonky person. way. <laughs> a wonky yes. vegetable at Morrison's. <laughs> no, thank you so much for all you've shared. Pleasure. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. And don't forget, you can get in contact with us on Facebook and on Twitter. And we'll also find us on Instagram. Oh, yes, Instagram, yes. And on our website, which is yateparish.org. Don't forget, this is an interactive show, so we really value your comments. So put your comments on SoundCloud or any other platform that you're listening to, and we'll get back to you. And we look forward to joining you next time. Thank you.